ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and my faithful companion, my number one priest. <laughs> Maybe not. Sorry, sorry. I, I feel like I'm like Rin Tin Tin or Lassie. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Father Lassie? Hans <laughs> Kung fell down a well? Anyways, <laughs> I got him on Hans Kung. What's yeah, your I, name? <laughs> What's your name? Uh, Father Andrew Dickinson up here in uh, Brookings, uh, South Dakota. Very happy to be on Ignition with uh, Dr. Bergwald. Good to have you again, Father. So uh, that's going on, of course. Uh, we're coming to the end of the fiscal year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe your finances are a laughing matter there, but up here at High School Community Center, we take our finances very seriously, including every... Uh, uh, welcome and needed donation that we received from our <laughs> alumni, uh, parents, benefactors, and friends. Unfortunately, we don't have a uh, a, a PayPal uh, button for people to click right at this moment because that would be appropriate. In addition to these important matters, um, we're also, of course, in the midst of the Fortnite for Freedom. Uh, just uh, real quick, Father, um, any any response at the parish this last weekend to Bishop's uh, message? No, I think people are just grateful to uh, have his uh, message out and heard and uh, and clarified. And, uh, um, and I think uh, people in my parish is always just pretty happy to hear uh, from his excellency. Absolutely. Uh, and encourage people to, of course, to pray the prayer for religious liberty. Uh, you can find it at the USCCB's website, usccb.org. Or for those of you in our diocese, please go to the diocesan website, sfcatholic.org. Give us hits. Indeed. Um, now, www.sfcatholic.org. Sf Catholic. Catholic. Yes. Um, I, my, my one of my sisters called me today. By the way, um, she lives in Central Minnesota, and she heard there's a DJ on the radio. Her first name is Sue. Her last name is Falls. And my sister. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm guessing it's a radio name. What? Um, but, they do that? Uh, I mean, uh, I, sorry, didn't mean to burst your bubble. But mm -hmm. in addition to that, uh, part of it, I think, w one of the really, to me, uh, providential things, more than coincidence, the, the Fortnite falling in the midst, uh, and, and attention was drawn to this right away by the bishops, but the midst of, of these great feasts in the church year, some of them solemnities. So, of course, we had the feast of uh, Saints uh, Thomas More and John the Baptist, which kicked things off. Um, uh, we're coming up to the solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul this Friday, which is also the date of uh, the for our priestly ordinations in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Three men being ordained to the uh, priesthood of Jesus Christ, praise God. Um, and we all, excuse me? Now and forever. Now and forever. And this past Sunday, we also had the uh, solemnity. It fell on a Sunday, so every Sunday is a solemnity. But if, if it hadn't been there, the solemnity of the birth, the nativity of St. John the Baptist. And Father and I thought that we would talk a little about this. Father, I think you said you mentioned that you had a, a friend who had an interesting experience with regard to John the Baptist once upon a time. Well, <laughs> he knew him. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> Wow. Uh, the travails of early morning, well, of morning podcasting, apparently, for me. Anyway. 
That's why you just get up earlier, and then you're just awake and fresh. Exactly. Bright as day. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, I just I, I love this feast, and uh, um, actually, I, uh, just a slight uh, a correction. You know, the, the fortnights start out with the uh, feast of Saint Thomas More and Saint John Fisher. Sound like you said Saint John the Baptist there, because I think he's on your on your mind. Did I say that? Uh, yeah, sorry. Thomas More and John Fisher. <laughs> John Fisher. But I think that uh, just a neat thing, just quick on Saint John Fisher before we jump into Saint John the Baptist, is uh, uh, Saint John Fisher uh, was named for John the Baptist. Oh, yeah. Apparently he was named for John the Baptist when he was born. And uh, he, of course, was a bishop in England and he refused to sign the uh, Act of Supremacy, which is the document that Henry VIII issued declaring himself to be the uh, uh, supreme head of the Church of England. Exactly. The supreme head of the Church of England. And in refusing to sign that and also by refusing to recognize his adulterous marriage to uh remember which Anne Boleyn Anne Boleyn uh, he was he was to be ardent marred and executed and you know he was originally scheduled to be executed on June 24th Ooh, no didn't know that either and of course of the birth of John the Baptist John the Baptist who himself was beheaded for speaking out against the unlawful marriage of the king exactly. of his land King Herod Antipas yeah. uh, to Herodias his uh, brother-in-law his, his uh, brother's wife and uh, uh, and so apparently someone figured out the, the timing going on uh, in the Church of England, and so they advised uh, Henry VIII that they should execute him a few days ahead of time. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. So how'd that work out for you, Henry? Yes. So, uh, anyways, but John the Baptist, I love John, St. John the Baptist. Another couple neat things just to think about him as the forerunner of the Christ. Uh, first of all, Hmm? What about your story? What? Right, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I got, all, got all excited. Yeah, no, you're supposed to tell this, then I'm supposed to talk. Me. <sighs> Sorry, I got all excited. Got distracted by your drowsy ramblings in a very white-esque uh, voice. Uh, uh. It's not unusual to find rambling podcasts. Um... So, uh, a friend of mine uh, was working. He, was a, he used to be a Mormon. He converted, became Catholic. And uh, but well, he was Mormon. He was working uh, down in the south, in the southern southeast United States, and going door to door like Mormon missionaries tend to do. And knocked on the door and uh, 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 met this lady. And you know, was asking her what church uh, she goes to. She says, "Well, I go to the Baptist church, just like the cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist." It's good enough for him. It's good enough for me. <laughs> and and as I told Father, I've I've heard tales like this before, and honestly, I find them hard to believe. But uh, stranger things have happened, as they say. Although knowing my friend, I find this story hard to believe as well. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so we, we we celebrate John the Baptist. Of course, last week I was telling my kids. So you know what? It's on Sunday, and you know. St. John the Baptist. No, it's summer. Uh, St. John the Baptist. Oh, so so you know what that means? (laughs) And my wife, Jermaine's like, I know where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Six months after John the Baptist was born, who was born? Jesus. So it's six months from Sunday. 
Christmas. Yay. That, that was me. <laughs> no, yeah. So we, there is, because we're told for, in scripture, in Luke's gospel, um, that there was six months between the birth of, of St. John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. So it's obviously, it's, there's a reason we celebrate the nativity of John the Baptist on June 24th. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously not arbitrary. Um, John the Baptist also, Father, if I, recall, I don't recall when it is, I think sometime in the fall, but we also celebrate the beheading of St. John the Baptist, his martyrdom, do we not? Yes, in August. August, okay, August. So um, this great saint, and, and, and Father's going to, um, I'm going to hand the ball, tag Father here in a minute, but there are uh, just a couple of things I wanted to, to mention by way of introduction. Um, the, one of the, well, one of, actually two of the great 20th century theologians in the Catholic Church, the Swiss, um, Hans Urs von Balthasar, and the Frenchman, a Jesuit, um, Jean Danielou, both have written theologically on John the Baptist. Um, from Balthazar, more briefly, to mind, well, perhaps he's written more extensively, but th there's a, a passage that came to my mind when we, we were talking about this as a topic for the podcast uh, in his book on the papacy, which is called The Office of Peter and the Structure of the Church. Father, have you read Van Balthazar much? Did you read him at all in seminary or anything? Uh, I read him far too much. And, and he's very easy and light prose, right? for the average person just to pick up and read without a problem? Very much so, yes. Yeah. It'd be very breezy, easy to read, yeah. too, not complicated at all. Yeah. Very short and concise, yeah. uh, compact uh, uh, paragraphs. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> no, uh, from Balthazar, while I love him, and actually I think some of, his, some of his shorter books are very readable, but just to give you a heads up, if you've never heard of him and you've never read him, some of his texts are definitely dense, befitting his german swiss background apparently um but but he, he um so that's just sort of a caveat about, about this this book in particular um he mentions father one of the things i love um he talks about uh, when he's before he gets into discussion of peter and the papacy he talks about how around jesus as a, with every one of us we're part of what he calls a human constellation we're not isolated individuals we have relationships that are important to us that 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 are uh, that have an impact on us, and this, that's just as true for Jesus, both his divinity, the, his relationship with the Father and the Spirit, but also his humanity. Again, the relationship with the Father and the Spirit, but then also the human relationships that he had. And the first and foremost, the central relationship, um, according to von Balthasar, and I think this is true. This is, I'd say, this is Catholic teaching uh, for Jesus is the relationship with his mother, Mary. Uh, the, the Marian dimension of Christology, of who Jesus is, is central. Uh, but, but then, after that, von Balthasar argues that the closest to Jesus after Mary, in terms of this understanding, this constellation of those around him, is John the Baptist. Not Peter, not even John, the, 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 uh, the beloved disciple, the apostle, but John the Baptist is, is the next most significant person um, to Jesus, according to von Balthasar. Um, he, he makes one, one point that I, I found interesting. Um, in, the, in the Gospel of John, John, ref John the Baptist refers to himself as the friend of the bridegroom. And von Balthasar says that, that none of the, the 12, none of the apostles would ever dared have referred to themselves as a friend of Jesus until like, just before he died, the, the, uh, the, the, the night of the Last Supper, Jesus says, I call you friends. That's the first time where we talk about this friendship relationship between Jesus 
and the apostles. But John the Baptist had already, back in chapter 3 of, of John's gospel, uh, made that connection. And the other thing, the, the final thing about von Balthasar. Um, so John the Baptist is the best man? Indeed, apparently. And, and as, I mean, as, as, as you know, you're probably guessing you're thinking of it. You know, elsewhere in, I think, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Jesus talks about how no greater man has been, no one greater has been born from a woman than and John the Baptist. Than John the Baptist. But of course, he is then least in the in kingdom, kingdom of God. Indeed. Um, just showing the, the way that the, the new covenant and the, the, the community of disciples around Jesus. While it fulfills, it still, again, um, completely transcends and goes beyond the Old Testament. The other thing, there's the, the other point I want to um, bring out from von Balthasar. In, um, von Balthasar notes that in, in iconography, uh, especially which is a very much an Eastern thing, uh, when you see, at the, the, when, so often when you see Jesus portrayed, there are two figures to his side, his mother, Mary, but then the other figure is not Peter. It's not John the Apostle. It's John. Not Mary Magdalene, his wife, according to Dan Brown. Indeed. Indeed. Um, the other figure is John the Baptist, uh, which is true. I've, I've got a little triptych um, on my desk. Jesus in the middle with icon of Jesus, the teacher. Mary on one side and John the Baptist on the other. So there is definitely this tradition. And part of that, and I know that you're going to talk about this, Father, but John the Baptist being the fulfillment of the old. And then, of course, Mary is the, the fulfillment of the new um, after her son. Um, so, so, but, but it's interesting that in the artistic tradition of the church, the, the, the tradition of an iconography, we very much see this, uh, the, the centrality of John the Baptist, even though, um, as De Lubach, or as, as von Balthasar says, um, maybe our theology of John the Baptist isn't as rich as it ought to be. Um, Daniel Liu's book is just called The Work of John the Baptist. I've, I've, I have not read that one yet, but I've heard other people speak highly of it. So um, there's a lot there. I, the, the point to me from all this, there's a lot more to John the Baptist than I think we often realize. There is a lot more to him. I think he's, uh, and you know, I think you were even using the phrase in discussions earlier um, about uh, the need for a theology of Saint John the Baptist. Just at least, just I think even for uh, a Joe Sixpack Catholic uh, out in the pews to have a, a kind of a thought or understanding of, of who he is, and so uh, maybe in just use the last uh, part of this podcast, maybe dive into that a little bit. Sure, that'd be great. Um, and what the, you, you would use the phrase, uh, uh, John the Baptist says, the fulfillment of the prophets. And uh, the church uses, uh, you know, reading from the prophet Isaiah uh, along those lines for, uh, for the readings for this past, uh, for June 24th each year. And that kind of, I think, touches on this notion. You know, and so when we talk about the fulfillment of the prophets, you know, what do we mean? And what, is that, what do we even talk about in that way? Um, what do the prophets desire? Um, did the prophets desire, like, were they kind of, you know, gotcha men, so to speak, just trying to go and uh, make fun, gloom and doom, you know, against different people? The prophets, uh, they wanted Israel to be faithful to the Lord. They wanted Israel to be faithful to the Ten Commandments, to the law given at Mount Sinai. That's what they wanted more than anything, was that sort of uh, faithfulness. And, and John the Baptist, you know, gets to preach towards that, and then he gets to see it happen. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, you think about um, uh, I think it's uh, in, in the Synoptic Gospels usually where John the Baptist is in prison and he sends out 
some of his messengers in prison because he spoke out against Herod's marriage. He sends out messengers to Jesus saying, you know, are you the one who is going to come or, or have we got to wait for another? And Jesus says, you know, tell uh, him what you see, that uh, the blinders see, the lame can walk, uh, the dead are raised, and happy man who finds no fault in me. Uh, and so there's this notion that in Jesus, Israel is being called to faithfulness to uh, the God of the Old Testament in the person of Jesus. And it's, it's happening right in John the Baptist's own time. He's seeing it mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, which is really just kind of a beautiful, a beautiful thought in that way, especially if, if you start to learn through the Old Testament and especially as you read the prophets and see that their great anguish is that uh, the people of Israel so often wouldn't listen to the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know what? You mentioned the, that reading from Isaiah. The, another, just the... Uh... How how the how the Old Testament so much in many cases unwittingly the Old Testament authors um, pointed to the universality of Christ's mission. The the reading that we heard on Sunday um, talks about how it's not enough for you. Uh, it's too little, he says, the Lord that is for you to be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivors of Israel. I will make you a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So John is heralding not just the Messiah of Israel, but the Messiah of humanity, right. uh, the Savior of the world. Um, and, and so whether or, not, whether or not John knew that, uh, we, we don't know. I would venture to say probably not. And yet that is the role that he played. I mean, maybe not to the full extent, but at the same time, too, it, it is part of that fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham, you know, that yeah. uh, I will make to you a uh, light to all the nations. And you know what's interesting is you say that the other th- um, the gospel reading, of course, is for, of the nativity of John the Baptist. Interestingly, I wonder why um, the decision was made. The reading does not include the um, Zechariah's canticle, the Benedictus. Blessed um, be the Lord, the God of Israel, for He has come to His people and set them free. To remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, Abraham. Uh, and, and going on. But um, I'd like to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. Yes. Um, so, all that, that even though that's not included, that's still the context, as you were, I think, just alluding to, of of the role, the mission, and in this case, the birth of John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just maybe another, and maybe just kind of a personal then comment from this is, you know, from back from that reading from Isaiah 49, Isaiah 49, 1 to 6, um, where the prophet says, Though I thought I had toiled in vain and for nothing, uselessly, spent my strength, and yet my reward is with the Lord, my recompense is with my God. Mm-hmm. And so to think about how all those labors of Isaiah, you know, the preaching of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, Nehemiah saw them, and they didn't see conversion in their own time. But rather, they entrusted that conversion to the Lord, and how then John the Baptist got to see it in some way. Thinking, right. too, in that sense of the fulfillment of the prophets. Um, and just thinking, too, then, of ourselves in our own life of prayer and devotion. You know, that we have, this again is maybe in a way that theological virtue of hope, uh, in that sense being embodied, that though we do not know how, we trust that in our holy communions, in our confessions, in our sacraments, in our prayers and sacrifices for others, 
that God will make them fruitful. Uh, maybe just uh, another thought about uh, John the Baptist um, is, his, is his role as the forerunner or the one who uh, uh, prepares the way of the Christ. Uh, right. So there's, so there's sort of looking back, he's the fulfillment, but there's also this other dimension him, if you look ahead, so to speak. Yeah. So John the Baptist, in one sense, is a bridge between the old, uh, one of these bridge figures together with St. Joseph, the spouse of uh, the chaste spouse of Mary and the Blessed Mother. Uh, some of those bridge figures between the Old and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Collect, the opening prayer for Sunday, Collect is a technical and correct term for an opening prayer at Mass. The Collect says um, that, O oh God, who raised up St. John the Baptist to make ready a nation fit for Christ the Lord. Right? To make ready a nation. So how, how does the Baptist make ready a nation fit for Christ the Lord? And it was uh, so often by his preaching of the need for repentance. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist's whole life and ministry was the preaching for repentance uh, in on the west bank of the Jordan River, mm-hmm. or probably the east bank of the Jordan River. And uh, there he, he reached out and taught and preached, uh, calling others to return to the law and recognize their sins and prepare for the coming of um, that's just a great thing for us to remember in our own day. You know, for those who say, you know, where is God? Why doesn't God appear? Things like that. It's just always a good thing to remember. Are you repenting of your sins? You know, um, sometimes when we pray or we struggle or we're hurting for things, are we, are we repenting of our sins? Are we seeking God uh, first by our, by our need for him, by awareness of our true need for him, not just our need because, you know, something isn't going my way. Right, but our need because uh, of because um, of our sins, which is our most mm-hmm. fundamental and deepest need for Him. Mm-hmm. So. Any thoughts on that? There, not really. No, really. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, Father, you always get to be the one who leaves the awkward silences. So I'm just trying to catch trying up. To be an awkward silence. I've got this tally sheet in my office here, so I'm just. You know, <laughs> Awkward. And maybe just the thing to follow up on this is, uh, in this way, this need of repentance to really receive the Lord, to receive Christ more. Um, you know, it is true that you know none of us, if we're honest to ourselves, ever should get tired of going to confession, because right. we all have things that we need to confess, and just not just whether our sins of that we commit, but also things that we forget to do. We're thinking of uh, Sirach thirty-eight. Someone pointed this uh, verse out to me once: a priest who does some healing ministry. Sirach 38, verse 9 and following. Uh, My son, when you are ill, delay not, but pray to God who will heal you. Flee wickedness. Let your hands be just. Cleanse your heart of every sin. Offer your sweet-smelling oblation and petition, a rich offering according to your needs. Then give the doctor his place. Right? And so, so often when we're hurt or we're ill, uh, in some way, we we go immediately to the clinic, right? right? But we think, you know, part of what I should do as part of my healing, my desire for healing is repent of sin, right. in this sense. And so, and I think in this way, I think in this idea of sin, you know, we can return to that spirit and maybe some of the theology or vision of St. John the Baptist. Yeah, and the other thing, too, just as we, we wrap up here, the other thing that, that um, I, I wonder about, he can be a model for us, 
um, you know, he, he's, he comes to some awareness of who Jesus is, but then he does have that. He sends some of his disciples to Jesus. Are you the one who is to come? So he has a moment of questioning, perhaps even doubt. Um, but, but he doesn't just leave it. He, he, he seeks inquiry. Okay, is, this, is what I thought before really the case? And he gets a response from Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples, tell John what you have seen, and, and the, referring to the miracles and the healing. Um, so, so maybe he can also be a, a, a model for us when we have moments maybe of, of questioning or when our faith isn't as strong as it should be um, to seek out the Lord. It, it, and we can do that, of course, in our prayer. Yes. Lord, Lord, can you, you know, strengthen my faith and, and, and help me in this way? Instead of hiding in doubt or uncertainty, certainty uh actually going to the lord in those times absolutely so good um any you, you good to go father any other I'm comments good to go excellent well i think we will uh we'll wrap things up then for this week and uh we'll be back next week with another episode of ignition thanks for listening to this episode of ignition if you have any questions comments or ideas for future topics you can email me at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. That's C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Again, thanks for listening.